Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, your host, Jim Smallman. Uh, Hope you're all well. Sorry for the slight delay this week, we're a day late, because of jet lag. Um, For reasons that you're probably aware of if you listened to last week's episode. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, we've had loads of great feedback from me and John and Glenn talking about Progress's Adventures in New York and Boston, and also our, our time at TakeOver and SummerSlam as well. Um, we've had loads of feedback of people just saying to us, oh God, it's hard being a wrestling promoter, isn't it? Yes, those few days were very hard, but we still love being wrestling promoters. And now we're back, we got through our show on Sunday, um, and jet lag is pretty much still affecting my brain. So apologies if I stutter every now and again, or if I appear to just drift off and stare into space. That's why jet lag um so apologies for the delay thanks for being patient obviously do check out everything on the distraction pieces network for it is all good um a couple of little plugs i need to do first off um we're a week and a bit away from the live tuesday night jaw at the london podcast festival saturday september the 9th um uh, noon saturday september the 9th at noon at king's place in london there's loads of wrestling podcasts going on that day i'm the first one in the big room uh which is really cool um i'm doing that and then i'm going off to do uh the twitch preview of the progress show at alexandra palace on the sunday which is already completely sold out so i'm doing that preview um uh, i think 4 p.m uh, across town in london uh, i'll tweet details of that later in the week um, so yeah, if you want to come to the live podcast, uh, a load of you already are, it'd be great to see even more of you. I know it's early in the day, I know it's a Saturday, I know a lot of you have already, thank you very much, spent your money on coming to Alexandra Palace to see progress, but I would love to see some of you there. I'll high five all of you, we'll all hang out, we'll have a natter, we are going to decide the ultimate wrestling card of all time. Um, next week's podcast, I'll give you a little bit of a uh, help in, in terms of what you need to be thinking about coming along so we can have a big old debate, but we only get an hour and a half. Um, so we're going to have to start bang on time and then probably finish the discussion in the pub with all of you afterwards. Um, so if you want to come to that, I'd love to see you there. Um, it's kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live. Once again, kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live. Um, please come along. It'll be great. Guests confirmed so far. Me, I'm the host. Gotta be there. Kind of important. Business partner, Glenn Joseph. He's definitely going to be there. Um, 
regular host, Matt Richards. He's going to be there. And the wonderful Mr. Scroobius Pip. He's going to be there. Distraction Pieces Network is his thing. Uh, he's the reason this podcast exists. So we couldn't do it without having him there. So he'll be there as well. So it's us four. Probably going to announce another guest or two as well. Um, but we're going to have a good time. And I'd like to see you all there. So remember, kingsplace.co.uk slash tnjlive. Also, I promised for ages that I'd have merch. I now have merch. I have the Cheer Faces Boo Heels t-shirts with loads of you have received this week. Loads of you pre-ordered it. Um, They're now in stock. You can order them now. You will get them now. Um, uh, Thanks to my lovely friends at Backstreet Merch who do all that stuff for me. I don't have a house full of merch. My wife wouldn't allow me. Um, So, yeah, if you want one of those t-shirts, I've not got loads of them, so don't hang about. Um, JimSmallman.com slash TNJ. Go along there. Um, and you'll see there's a link not only to the live podcast and not only is there a link so you can point everybody in the direction of how to get involved with this podcast in the first place but there is a link to my web store so you can go and buy those t-shirts they're proving very popular I haven't gotten one myself yet I should probably do that I should probably ask if I can have one before they all go Um, but yeah jimsmormon.com slash tnj get yourself a cheer faces boo heels t-shirt and you are supporting this podcast which I am very grateful to you for so cheers for that Right, last couple of little plugs. Um, ProgressWrestling.com for your progress uh, tickets slash merchandise. Demand-Progress.com for Progress Wrestling shows, all of them that we've done ever. Um, Going up this week will probably be the New York show that we spoke about last week, the Boston show that we spoke about last week, and the show from this past Sunday, which is our big lead-in show that sets everything up for Alexandra Palace. Um, Very excited about the Alexandra Palace show. So unbelievably excited to do a wrestling show in front of 2,000 people, which is pretty sweet. Um, also, this week, I slept through the tickets going on sale for our show at the end of October. We have six weeks off between our show um, at Alexandra Palace on our next show, which is at the end of October. Tickets went on sale for it this week. I uh, woke up, thought, oh, tickets will go on sale soon, fell asleep. Uh, half an hour later, I woke up, they're all gone. So, um, thanks. Thanks for your support. If you're a Progress fan, Thanks for your support. If you've never been to a progress show and you don't understand why I bang on about it all the time, that's totally fine too. Everyone's allowed to like what they like in wrestling. But um, all the support we've had for progress over this year has been tremendous. Um, I'm aware I say tremendous a lot. I say literally a lot and tremendous a lot. I know this. My wife points it out to me quite a lot. I apologise. Um, there are the plugs out of the way. This is a list episode. Um, I wanted to do something about women in wrestling um, for various reasons that I'll, I'll talk about in a sec. Um, and it's a list I've wanted to put together for quite some time now. Um, if you want to get involved and send me your list, do what we normally do for a list episode. There's no real crazy rules on this one because it's a list of wrestlers rather than a list of matches. Um, so just send me a list. Maybe write it in notes on your phone, screenshot it and tweet it to me. At Jim Smallman, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Um, now... I like women's wrestling, and I'm aware for a long time, when we started running Progress, people thought I didn't like women's wrestling, because we didn't have women's wrestling on our shows. Now, I think I've explained this before, but one of the reasons for this was, we always wanted to make sure that people reacted to it in the right way. Now, you know, you know, if you've ever been to a Progress show, you know the atmosphere at our shows is lively, and one of my biggest fears when we first started would be that our fans wouldn't react to women's wrestling in the right way and we'd get people shouting out derogatory stuff and things like that. Now, it was a completely unfounded fear because our fans are awesome and as we've grown as a company, I've realised how awesome our fans are and that would never need to be a problem. And Indeed, the first time we ever had a women's match on one of our main chapter shows, the respect and brilliance of our fans 
just underlined that we should firstly have done it sooner, but also that our fans are absolutely tremendous. And that's not the sort of thing you necessarily need to worry about in 2017. Uh, Certainly it was 2015 when we first did it, but you know, that's not the sort of thing you need to worry about these days. A women's wrestling at the minute is brilliant. The the sort of the the era of of divas and um, women who you know still awesome, but being booked to wrestle not because they were great wrestlers, but because of how they looked. Well, that's past now, and what we've gone into is this: we've a whole generation of female wrestlers who are, you know, as brilliant as the men are, without absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. And it's to the point now where WWE Network this week debuted the Mae Young Classic. Now, there's loads of people in the Mae Young Classic who we know from Progress or, or, or people that um, we're aware of and know are brilliant. And you think the Mae Young Classic is something that's that's happening and is not including people who are on NXT TV. And there's loads of great female talent in NXT TV. There's loads of great women on Raw and on SmackDown. Uh, there's loads of great women in Progress. And it's just a really, really exciting time. So... I want to bring all that up, and that's all really positive. But also something really negative happened in women's wrestling this week, and it's something I tweeted about yesterday. Um, And this concerns two wrestlers. Um, One is Rosemary, who you may well know from TNA, um, who I think is great. And another one is a a Mexican uh, wrestler called Sexy Star. Now, this is a very positive podcast, and I don't like speaking ill of anybody, um, but this week I got asked if you know, as a wrestling promoter, would you boycott Sexy Star from working for you because of what happened this past weekend? And absolutely 100%, yes, I would. Yeah, um, It was unlikely she would ever work for us anyway, but she will definitely never work for us now. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what happened this week, uh, this weekend, pretty much the same time as the McGregor-Mayweather uh, fight, um, was Triple Mania in Mexico. Huge, huge Lucha Libre show. Um, And by all accounts, apart from this one incident, a great show. You know, the main event, which featured uh, Dr. Wagner, who I mentioned on my top 10 list of wrestlers who not appeared in WWE. Um, The the main event was apparently great. The whole show was apparently great fun, apart from this one incident, which is um, Sexy Star, who has a legitimate fighting background, um, decided to put a a shoot armbar on uh, Rosemary and popped her arm out of the socket. Now, at the time, it looked like it was going to be a really bad injury. Rosemary's updated everybody since and said, you know, it's not as bad as first thought. Be out for a bit, but I'll be back. And I was doing something yesterday, just like anyone who's got any decency around independent wrestling, just encouraging people to go to Rosemary's Pro Wrestling Tea store and buy her merch if you've got a spare few quid. Because, you know, if you're out injured for a while, like our friend TK Cooper is, you need to encourage people to... Um, to, to go out and help these guys live when they can't make a living. Same for me. If you know, I'm only a stand-up comedian. If I break my leg, I can't. I can't do stand-up and I can't pay my bills. So, um, it, it, for wrestlers, you know, if something bad happens to them, and they're as a rule, most people in wrestling are pretty cool people. You know, go out of your way to support them. But I just found this this incident was it was really distasteful and it, and it came at a time when women's wrestling is, is is so popular and so vibrant and so hot that I thought you know what I I want to draw attention to, to women that I admire in wrestling and I'm going to put together my top 10 list of uh, what I think are the top 10 greatest female wrestlers of all time now this is coloured by my own personal preference you'll see why when I start doing the list so Compared to when I normally do these lists, I don't normally do many honourable mentions. I'm going to do a load of honourable mentions before I even get into the top 10. And I'm still probably going to have forgotten someone, which is why you guys do your top 10. 
and you tweet it to me at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Joe. So, here's the honourable mentions I'm going to do before I get into my top 10 women wrestlers of all time. So, uh, honourable mentions to um, current WWE performers, such as Alexa Bliss, who I think is tremendous. Her characterisation is is wonderful, and in particular the main event on Raw uh, this week, which was, again, and this is how wrestling has moved on. Um, a women's match was the main event of Raw this week. And it was brilliant. Um, and Alexa Bliss, um, you know, spoilers if you've not seen it yet, but Alexa Bliss um, regaining her women's title. Um, so Alexa Bliss is brilliant. Bailey is brilliant. Um, Ember Moon is tremendous. And Ember Moon and, and someone else who's at um, the WWE Performance Center at the minute in Dakota Kai, who appeared on our shows in New York and Boston, um, they are going to be two, three years down the line. They are going to be mega stars. Um, uh, Ember and Dakota are both great um, you've got absolute legends that aren't on my list and legends that I know pushed forward the world of women's wrestling tremendously so uh, Medusa from WCW slash Alundra Blaze when she was in WWE isn't on my list I know she's great loads of her stuff in the mid 90s was brilliant um, Trish Stratus isn't on my list because um, I just couldn't find a place for her I again I know that someone like Trish Stratus started in WWE because of her looks and her fitness model background, but she clearly got into the wrestling and her quality of matches got better and better and better and better. And she was always a, a great role model for uh, for not just women's wrestling, but wrestling as a whole. And I know that she's certainly an inspiration to a lot of the current generation of women wrestlers. I've not included obvious trailblazers, People like Mae Young, who's obviously got the Mae Young Classic named after her. The fabulous Moolah, um, who was WWE Women's Champion for an eternity. Uh, Mildred Burke, who was one of the first sort of trailblazers for women's wrestling back in the 1950s. Um, and I haven't included anyone from the current indie crop. So, again, Diana Perazzo, who appeared for us uh, in New York and Boston and is brilliant and has got a great future ahead of her. Candice LeRae, who I've been a fan of for a long time, uh, certainly from her PWG days. She's brilliant. She's not on the list. Then you've got all the uh, women who are in progress at the minute. For example, Tony Storm, our women's champion, who is, if you think about it, she's 20, 21 years old. It's ridiculous how, how good she's going to be by the time she's brilliant now. How good she's going to be by the time she's 25 is 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 just hard to even comprehend. Uh, Dahlia Black, Ginny, Laura DiMatteo, um, and the certain Japanese legends that aren't on this list either. Um, so Bull Nakano, Lioness Asuka, uh, Chikusa Nagoya are, are not on this list. And they're all brilliant. Genuinely, out of all those honourable mentions... I mean, there's probably I've probably given you what twenty names there. Ten of them could have been in my top ten. So that's how hard this is. If your expectation and your appreciation of women's wrestling is just of what it was during the Attitude Era, and you've switched off to what it is now because of what it was in the Attitude Era, then you need to open your eyes to what it is at the minute. Um, and certainly, it's going to be one particular nation, one particular time period. I'm going to bang on about a lot. Go onto the internet and find some of this stuff because there's women's wrestling out there that will blow your mind. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. N most head-dropping indie moves were invented by Japanese women in the mid-1990s. Um, if you don't believe me, go and look for yourself because, trust me, there's some amazing stuff um, back then. So, Dave Meltzer gave so many five-star matches out to women's wrestling from all Japan women's. 
um, in the mid 1990s. It's 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 genuinely crazy. Um, you know, maybe talking about that a little bit during the course of the top ten. So anyway, I want to know what your top ten is. Your top ten female wrestlers of all time. Um, then you know, just tweet me. Uh, write to the list. Do a snapshot of the list, um, and then just send me the picture uh, at Jim Smallman on Twitter. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Okay, into my list, um, and I've prepared quite well for this, mainly because of jet lag. I can't riff like I normally riff. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. Like jet lag. How do you get around jet lag? This is a genuine question. If you've got a decent solution to jet lag, let me know. I'm not tired. I just feel ill, and I'm not ill. I just feel my body doesn't know when to eat and stuff. It's odd. I've travelled to America. This this is my third trip to America this year. Third? Yeah, third trip to America this year. And I just... Do not feel good. Do not feel good, guys. Apologies. Right then. Number 10 on my list. I have chosen a tag team. um, Which, again, in tag team wrestling and women's wrestling... Tag teams in women's wrestling are, are more unusual. Partly because... Um, the and we have this sort of issue with progress shows is is if we have a seven match card there's one maybe two women's matches um, uh, on the show we, we, I know you're thinking oh, but you very rarely have two women's matches well in Endeavour we often did have two women's matches and slight spoiler in Boston we would have had two women's matches um, if we'd have not had um, injury problems we were planning on doing it so um so yeah, so it's just it's harder to to give a female tag team a push if there's not necessarily anything for for them to sort of go on. However, the tag team I'm going to mention are were the first. They're one of the reasons that I I got into a certain aspect of women's wrestling. So number ten on my list of uh, top ten female wrestlers of all time, uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels, uh, Naroya Tateno and Itsuki Yamazaki. Now, way back when. When I got into wrestling, uh, I had a friend called Richard from school whose parents were divorced. Therefore, he had all the WWE uh, Coliseum videos. And uh, he once lent me the 1988 Royal Rumble. Um, So on this, there was a two out of three falls match, which was the Jumping Bomb Angels, who already had a great name. If you're a kid and you hear there's a tag team called the Jumping Bomb Angels, you are on board. Uh, And they beat the Glamour Girls, Judy Martin and Lilani Kai. Now... This match, it's still great now. You go and watch it. It's on the network. It's still great now. It was mind-blowing back then. Mind-blowing. Like, they were doing stuff that the dudes didn't do. And and the Glamour Girls, you know, they were great as well. But the Jumping Bomb Angels were just ridiculously good. Um, and this was for the, the women's tag team title as well, which, you know, is not something they have now. But back then was just super, super cool. And... When I started getting into tape trading at the end of the 90s, the the reason I started seeking out Japanese women's wrestling was was partly because I'd heard it was good, but partly because I remembered being a kid and seeing the Jumping Bomb Angels and how brilliant they were. Um, And again, it's it's rare that a match that is nearly 30 years old will hold up as well as it does. But trust me, go and watch this on the network. You you will thank me for it. Royal Rumble, 1988, two out of three falls match. Um, but the Jumping Bomb Angels were great. They were doing mind-blowing stuff back then. And they were a gateway into how great women's wrestling could be in my appreciation of it. So, you know, go and check them out. Number nine. Um, certainly considered an icon of women's wrestling. And, and that is Lita. Now, 
Um, I remember her in ECW, it was Miss Congeniality. She was more of a valet. Then she was managing S.A. Rios uh, in WWE. Um, and and then moved on to managing the Hardy Boys and her involvement with Edge and stuff like that. I think what was most amazing was, I love a moonsault. This comes from me being a great Muta fan back in the day and liking Vader and I've just always liked moonsaults. And I remember the first time I saw Lita do a moonsault on WWE TV and I remember thinking, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on a minute. And I think what was interesting with, with Lita is she'd often be involved with wrestling the guys in the same way that, again, someone who's not on this list is China. Now, I appreciate the role that China had in women in in wrestling and being a woman in wrestling, but I didn't see her as, even though she was a women, a WWE Women's Champion, I never saw her really as, she was always more pushed as part of the male scene uh, and being, you know, it's kind of a champion and her involvement in Eddie Guerrero and stuff like that. She was always pushed more in that regard, whereas Lita both did stuff with the guys, but was definitely a much firmer part, in my eyes, of, of the women's division. And... And I think as well, just her overall style and stuff like that, you can't argue that she's she certainly influenced so many people in the current generation. I know that if there's if there's women who work for Progress, for example, if there's ever a chance for them to, um, to meet Lisa or something like that, it's the sort of thing they would absolutely jump at because for, you know, if you're a 20 21 year old female wrestler now you probably watched lita when you were a kid and massively looked up to her because there was just something a bit different about her um i think as well the fact that she wasn't the, the sort of stereotypical um sort of blonde girl that often wwe employed back in the day uh you know and she was into punk music and she uh, you know she did cool stuff and all that and had an involvement with the hardy boys who were hot as anything i think just sort of made her stand out a little bit um but again just there's She's not. There's going to be people that I go through later in the list who were certainly technically better wrestlers than her, but I think her influence in the world of wrestling is really, really cool. And of course, you know, she's been involved in some great matches, uh, both herself and with the Hardy Boys. And I think her feud with Trish Stratus, which I've not obviously I mentioned, Trish was an, uh, an honourable mention, but her feud with Trish Stratus was was really, really good in a, in a time when I wasn't necessarily what WWE was about when it came to women's wrestling. So you know, I think Lita's cool. Right, number eight. Um, uh, and again, my Japanese pronunciation is going to suck because I'm from the Midlands. Um, but number eight is Kyoko Inoue. Um, now, um, Kyoko was the first woman to win a men's singles title in Japan. Um, a, a lot, a lot further after uh, it ever happened in, in the United States, I believe. Um, uh, but uh, Kyoko Inoue was involved in a ton of five-star matches between 1992 and 1995 as well and this is the point i mentioned before is i mean some of the sickest moves in wrestling history the niagara driver which is a sit out one shoulder powerbomb and the victoria driver which is an inverted death valley driver just like just imagine those for a second i'll wait there's videos of them on youtube by the way if you want to go and look that's tremendous stuff she was also in a great tag team called the inaways uh, with takako in a way they're not related um and there, if you want to check out one match in particular, just to illustrate how great Kyoko was, um, uh, check out their tag match with Kuti Suzuki and Miyumi Ozaki from April the second, nineteen ninety three, which is a Dave Meltzer five star match um, from All Japan Women's Wrestling. Um, it's so good, so many great matches. But All Japan Women and All Japan Men's Wrestling in the mid nineties is pretty much the pinnacle of what professional wrestling can be, and. 
some of the stuff back in All Japan Women's was just mind-blowing. I, I, you know, great though women's wrestling is at the minute. It, it's going to take some topping that period. You know, there's every reason we can try and do it. But whoa, that was a good period. Um, but yeah, try and tack out, check out that tag match if you can. But there's loads of uh, Kyoko Inoue's work that is is really, really good from that sort of 92-95 period. Just some really, really tremendous stuff in there. You know, anything you can check out, go and check out. I would heartily recommend it. And then we bridge the gap between um, between Japan and America for number seven in my list. Um, and number seven in my list is Amazing slash Awesome Kong slash Karma. Um, so, do you remember when Kong... Um, as Karma entered the 2012 Royal Rumble match, like she'd been away for a bit, she'd had a, she'd had a son, I believe, um, a few months before. So she'd been um, hired by WWE, then um, disappeared from WWE for a while, and then came back. Her only competitive match in WWE was the 2012 Royal Rumble, and I remember losing my mind when she came out. Absolutely losing my mind. So cool. When she came out, I think I was watching that with, with John Briley from Progress um, a few months before our first ever show. It was so cool when she came out because Kong's been one of my favourite—not just favourite women wrestlers, but one of my favourite wrestlers for a long time. Um, her stuff in Japan was brilliant. Her stuff in the Indies was brilliant, and her work in TNA was great. I don't talk about TNA a lot um, on this podcast. There's some good stuff from TNA. The, you know the. Um, the three-way match between AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe is a great match that everyone should go and watch. Um, they've also done a lot of stuff that isn't brilliant. One thing they did get right for a long time was their knockouts division. One of the main reasons it was right is because they had the renamed, rebranded Awesome Kong as part of that division absolutely murdering people. When I went to a TNA house show with Chris Brooker um, in Coventry years ago, the day before the Noah show that was in the same venue, the Skydome in Coventry, um, I watched Awesome Kong against Gail Kim, and it's one of my favourite matches I've ever watched live. It was absolutely, it was brilliantly put together. And again, Gail Kim, someone else is not on this list, someone else who is brilliant to her job, tremendous her job. Um, also, it's worth noting that Awesome Kong's story is inspiring. Um, she, um, I mean, list full details of it. Listen to Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling episode with her because it's great. Um, but, you know, she moved herself to Japan because she really wanted to throw herself into into wrestling and learned Japanese and taught, you got taught MMA and stuff like that and and went from, from being a very different sort of person in her early life to being an absolute ass-kicker as a wrestler. So, again, I think, you know, it's it's a shame her WWE run didn't really work out but, you know, don't think it's necessarily over for her. You know, Mickey James, again, someone else is not on this list. If someone else is great, if Mickey James can end up in WWE, then, you know, or back in WWE, rather, why can't, why can't Awesome Kong? But, you know, let's maybe call her Awesome or Amazing Kong and not Karma. You know, nothing wrong with the name Karma, but maybe let's, I just like the word Kong. It's a great word. So it's number six. Speaking of Kongs, this is a brilliant segue, guys. I'm not going to lie. Speaking of Kongs, um, so Amazing Kong got her start in Japan uh, with a company called Gaia, uh, where she was replacing Aya Kong. Um, now, she replaced her because Aya Kong was out for a bit. Then she had a match uh, against Aya Kong, 
and then she teamed with her as W Kong. So Aya Kong is my sixth choice. Um, Aya is the founder of uh, Arsian, uh, Hyper Fighting Arsian, I think is the full name of it, um, which is an all women's promotion, um, and has a history of tremendous matches in all Japan women's in the 1990s. Um, this is worth noting, and just as a little sidebar here, um, maybe one of the reasons that Japanese women's wrestling was so good in the 90s was that it had its own promotions that were on pretty much the same footing as men's wrestling. They attracted maybe not quite as big crowds, but pretty similar sized crowds had a similar sort of schedule. So, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons. And again, if you look at the people I'm going to talk on this list who maybe come through the independents, there's certain independents that run all women's shows that are giving everyone the chance to shine. You know, one of the problems if you've got a mixed roster of male and female talent is that you've got to try and get everybody on. And often the male talent, you know, rightly or wrongly, takes precedent. And, you know, maybe one of the reasons that Japanese women's wrestling was so strong was because it had those separate promotions. But then you led into the question of, well, should we split up male and female wrestling? And then you get into the question of, should we have intergender wrestling and stuff like that, which is something I have to answer on Twitter quite a lot when I do Q&As, is, you know, why don't you have intergender matches and progress shows? And it's like, well, because some people some people really like them and some people see them as, uh, uh, you know, as equality in action and some people see them um, as, as, as distasteful and it's it's a really difficult balance to strike. Um, I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but you know, it was just to do with the fact that there are there's a lot more women specific companies in Japan running at a higher level than there is in the West, and I just think that's interesting. So, um, Ayakong, history of tremendous matches once again in all Japan women in the 90s. Um, for example, her pursuit of Bull Nakano to end her three year title reign in 1992 is an absolutely brilliant highlight. Um, Ayakong's ethnicity is worth mentioning as well in that um, she is mixed race. I believe her mother is Japanese and her father is African-American. And apparently, from stuff I've read about her, it meant that when she started out, she suffered, uh, certainly in the late 80s, she suffered a bit of abuse for it. And she, again, she's a very positive role model, someone who you know never let that overcome her and really went on to become one of the biggest stars <clears throat> in women's wrestling history. Um she was also in WWE for a little while. 1995 made her Survivor Series debut. Again, go and watch this on the network. Uh, Survivor Series debut where she eliminated all four members of her opposing team, including the WWE Women's Champion at the time, Alundra Blaze. Um, they would have had a really cool feud. It would have been absolutely badass. But unfortunately, Alundra Blaze left WWE before that could happen and nothing really came out of it. Um, in terms of movesets, she invented the package pile driver. Yep, there you go. She invented the package pile driver, um, which is rad as fuck, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, and her spinning back fist, I reckon, is is one of my favourite moves in wrestling because it's just it's just punching someone in the face, but it's just done with such style. Um, it is genuinely one of my favourite moves ever. So um, Ayakong number six um, could easily, depending on my mood, have been higher, um, but she is tremendous. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Number five. Sasha Banks, number five. Um, I think... All of the all members of the four horsewomen of NXT um, are absolutely brilliant. Um, there is no doubt in that whatsoever. And I think Sasha's great uh, because she's as convincing as a heel because she was a heel for the majority of her NXT run um, as she is as a babyface because she's currently a babyface uh, on Raw now. And I think that all of her, work, I mean, she she does demonstrate a tendency to, to want to take crazy bumps quite a lot of the time. And I worry about that. You know, I don't want anyone to shorten their career for the sake of entertaining us all. But, you know, she really throws herself into it with, with such enthusiasm. Um, her feud with Bailey in particular in NXT is one of my favourite feuds of recent memory. And it certainly helped make Bailey into an absolute star. And their match at TakeOver Brooklyn, the first TakeOver Brooklyn, is, you can't argue, is one of the one of the best matches um, uh, in NXT memory. I, I think in NXT history, I think it's just a, a fantastic match, um, uh, and one that's worth going back and watching again and again and again. It, it just I remember watching it with my wife at the time, and both of us being absolutely blown away by how brilliant it was. Um, and I, I think that her contests with Charlotte on the main roster, uh, particularly being in the first uh, ever. Women's Hell in a Cell match is is again showing the difference in women's wrestling for even five years ago to what it is now, you know. And, and Sasha Banks is one of the reasons for that to happen. Um, again, she's not old, so she's going to be doing this for a fair few million years, and I think her legacy is really going to be stellar uh, when it comes to the end of her career. And that leads us to number four. So number four is Charlotte Flair. Um, I'll be honest; it was tricky to, to think where to place. Charlotte and Sasha and I'm going to explain my thinking about why Charlotte is slightly higher than Sasha because I genuinely enjoy the work of both as I enjoy the work of of Becky Lynch and Bailey and uh, uh, the other women who were not part of that initial sort of four four girl clique in in sort of Naomi I think Naomi's great um I think Natalia's brilliant so there's 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 lots to be excited about on WWE's main rosters at the minute the reason I've ranked Charlotte slightly higher than Sasha is it's nothing to do with the fact that she's a flair and her family name. It's not that. But it's because of how good she is having come to wrestling later than most and not having had the indie experience that someone like Sasha had. Sasha had you know, a fairly decent level of indie wrestling experience before she went to NXT, whereas Charlotte's wrestling experience was as a 13-year-old in about 2000 in WCW coming to the head of her dad. That was it. Then she went away, went to university, um, you know, did various other cool things, and then decided to become a wrestler. I think in twenty twelve, so maybe twenty, maybe in twenty thirteen. So if you think she's not had this extensive experience, she's not 
been training her entire life to get where she's got to. She's just managed to get there now, which is <clears throat> just by hard work and talent. I remember the first time I ever watched her on NXT and being told that she'd been wrestling for maybe six, seven months at the time and thinking, oh God, she's very good. And just has an aura and a presence about her that, that just, it, it gives off, it gives off the vibe of being a veteran when, you know, in reality she isn't. You know, she's just really good and as dedicated to what she chooses to do. Um, as she's graduated to run SmackDown, she's grown into being a top star as well. Not just for women's wrestling, but just overall. I think her overall, and again, being, you know, having, having her dad be who he is probably helps. But just her overall aura and the way she carries herself is that, is the way of a superstar. And again, you know, I'm talking. I'm not just talking superstar in women's wrestling terms. I'm talking superstar to the level of someone like John Cena. Like that's how she seems to carry herself, and I think that's brilliant. It's also worth noting uh, that Charlotte and Sasha. Little stat for you: hold the record for the longest women's match in WWE history, uh, 34 minutes. That's from Roadblock in December 2016. And again, let's think about how women's wrestling has moved on, and the perception of women in wrestling has moved on. A great little thing is. I think we talked about this when we were talking about TakeOver. Um, if you look at Zelina, um, uh, Andrade Cian Almas' um, manager, um, 10 years ago she would have been a valet and their whole storyline would have been based around romance or whatever. Now it's she's smart, she's the clever one, she's his business manager, he needs her, he's got better because of her. That It's just these little shifts that have made the difference in terms of the perception of women in wrestling as the industry has evolved and as we as the human race have evolved you know i i think back to i was thinking about i was having to write something the other day about when i was at school and just about how sexist life was just in the late 80s early 90s when i was a school kid compared to what life's like now for my daughter being at high school so you know life has moved on and it's certainly for the better right into the top three who do you think i've got make your guesses now really you could not be more wrong. Um, number three, uh, we're going to continue the NXT theme. Is Asuka now? I know Asuka hasn't um, uh, debuted on the main rosters yet. Um, the news broke uh, last week about her relinquishing her NXT title. Um, uh, it's weird because the news broke and it was it was put out on WWE.com, which is great because I I was at the show <laughs> and I wanted to talk about it, but I hope I'm not going to give any spoilers out because it's mean when they're taping television. Um, and you've probably already heard me talk at length about how brilliant I thought Asuka and Ember Moon's match at TakeOver was. I, it felt like a throwback to the, the Japanese wrestling of the mid-1990s. It was wonderful to see. Absolutely wonderful to see. Um, Asuka obviously plays her part in that. Ember Moon obviously plays her part in that as well. I, I think Ember's brilliant. Um, the build-up to that match was tremendous too, though, because Asuka's character... It is one of my favourites in wrestling. She's not a face or a heel. She's just Asuka. Like she's invented a new a new alignment. It's, you can be face, heel, or Asuka, because that's what she is. She's got a, a evil little smile that she does, and it, without speaking loads and loads of English, she manages to convey her character effectively all the time. Um, her in-ring style reminds me of what I loved about Japanese wrestling in the nineties, but she's managed to combine that style with WWE style and with independent wrestling to create something that's really amazing and really sticks out. And with her now relinquishing the NXT title, 
I can only see big things for her. I can also only see big things for that NXT women's title as well because it means someone else has to step up. But, you know, wherever she ends up, whether she ends up on Raw or SmackDown, it's going to be exciting and it's going to create a load more matches that I want to see. Um, and again, the difference between this and the, the Divas era, when, you know, a Divas match would come on and no matter how hard people were trying, often it'd be like, okay, so we'll go make a cup of tea. Whereas now, as wrestling fans, we're getting to see women wrestle and do a fantastic job because they're just being told to wrestle. They're not having to be anything else. They're just the wrestlers, just like the guys are. Um, and that's brilliant. Um, with Asuka, um, if you can, go back and watch some of her work um, pre-WWE when she was called Kana. Um, in Shimmer, I'd uh, see some uh, really great stuff. And here's another little stat for you. Asuka in 2006, Asuka got poorly and she retired. She retired from wrestling. She was gone for just over a year and then came back and, and did great things. Um, she's super into video games, apparently. One day I hope to have a conversation with her about video games. Um, but um, but yeah, she's just... I think her, her work is great. Um, how The fact that she worked most of that match um, with Ember Moon with a broken collarbone as well, just didn't mention it to anybody. It's just... That, that's... It, it's... It's the sort of thing that if a, if a guy did it, we'd probably it feels like we'd make more of a big deal out of it. And I don't think it, enough of a big deal has been made out of that whole. You worked with a broken collarbone. How crazy are you, uh, Asuka? So yeah, I think Asuka's brilliant. And um, uh, I, one of the reasons I, I I think I like Asuka so much is when she first started appearing on NXT. Is my wife enjoyed her work so much because my wife you know likes MMA and, and stuff like that and just likes to watch people being kicked <laughs> really, really hard. And it turns out that's what Asuka's really, really good at doing. Okay, into the top two. Come on now. I reckon you've got number one. I don't know if you'll have number two. I mean, if you do, if you do get these right, at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. You know how it works. So then, number two is Sarah Del Rey. Um... Not chosen because she's the sister of Lana Del Rey, whose music I genuinely enjoy, because um, I don't think they're related, um, but because Sarah Del Rey is tremendous. Um, so while Sarah is now moulding wrestlers like Asuka, Ember Moon and the like at the WWE Performance Centre, where she's the assistant head coach, her work on the independent scene makes her one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, male or female. Her work in Shimmer is wonderful, and she helped put Shimmer on the map massively. But I was first made aware of her in Shikara, which I love Shikara. And it's King of Trios this weekend, isn't it, in Wolverhampton. If you can get along to that and support it, please do. Um, but in Shikara, she started as a fan favourite and then became part of one of my favourite heel stables of all time, uh, Bruderschaft des Kreuzes, uh, BDK. Um, she would then team up with Daisy Hayes and take on male tag teams. Always looking impressive, always picking up lots of wins. Um if you get a chance and you want to see uh, Sarah Daray, uh, I think her absolute peak, try and look up, uh, I think Shikara have got an on-demand service, but look up Joshi Mania, uh, the Shikara show from 2012, see her in action against several Japanese stars, including Aya Kong. Um, also, Sarah's uh, Royal Butterfly finisher is one of my favourite moves ever. Um, and I had a theory on Sarah Daray. I reckon if, if women's wrestling was as rightfully respected in, say, 2010 as it is now, I think Sarah would have been one of the biggest stars in the world, male or female. Um, she was that good. Um, it's a shame she's retired now, but she's passing on a legacy um, to everyone at the WWE Performance Centre. 
and you know, as you can tell by all the people who are coming up at the minute doing a great job so that was my number two so I, you've got to have got the number one by now if you've been listening to Tuesday Night Jaw for as long as you say you have then you will know who number one is you ready? okay number one is Minami Toyota now Toyota is is one of the greatest of all time full stop um, I've spoken before on the podcast about how Toyota is one of my all-time favourite wrestlers. Both Sarah Del Rey and Manami Toyota easily in my top 10 favourite wrestlers of all time. Um, and after seeing her on tapes that I received from Japan back in my training days in the late 90s, um, that's that's when she sort of she came into prominence in my mind. I, I, I'd heard that she was good and I'd seen that she got a lot of five-star matches, but it was the first time I saw her, I was just thinking, wow brilliant absolutely brilliant at her job so good at everything that she's been been involved in um, I was gutted earlier this year she appeared um, in the United Kingdom and I was gutted to not uh, get along to see her this year um, I was delighted when she appeared in Chicago a couple of years back um, in particular she had a great match teaming with Mike Quackenbush against Claudio Castanelli Cesaro and Sarah Del Rey which is is just just even think about that match. If you even if you never watch that match, just even think about how cool that match is in your head. It's very cool. Um, so Manami Toyota made her debut in 1987 at the age of 16. By 18, she was a huge star thanks to her work in the tag team of Tokyo Sweethearts. She's been uh, in an this is nuts, right? She's been in an astonishing 17 five-star matches as officially rated by Dave Meltzer and Wrestling Observer between 1991 and 1995. 17. I think, to put that into perspective, Kenta Kabashi was in... I think Kenta Kabashi was in maybe 20. And I think uh, Masao was in maybe 22. I know I, I quoted these numbers in um, in my one of my top 10 lists recently. But just think about that for a second. That's insane, isn't it? 17 five-star matches from 91 to 95, including two five-star matches in the same night from the 1993 All Japan Women Tag League. Um, both the round-robin match and the final match were in the same night. They were both five-stars. Um, 1995 was just a ridiculous year for her. Check out her singles matches in 1995 uh, against Ayakan, Kiyoko Inoue, uh, Mima Shimoda and Akira Hakuto. All brilliant all still stand up now because sometimes matches can get given five stars um i think the, the example i'll use of this is a five star match is the fantastics and the sheep herders um which is is a fun brawl but it doesn't it's not a five star match now um these matches are all still five star matches they are wonderful and oh that move set good lord her move set's tremendous um, the Victory Star Drop, which is as dangerous as anything. The Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex, the Japanese Ocean Bomb. Not only brilliantly named, but wonderful moves that you can only really imagine her doing as effectively as she does. Um, and it's especially poignant, I think, to choose Toyota as my number one because on November the 3rd this year, she's retiring. Um, and I think we should all make a point of revisiting her work. Even if you go, just put in, go to YouTube, put in Manami Toyota Top 10 Moves or something like that. Even if you just see a little bit of what she was capable of in her career, even if just a few clips, you will really get an understanding of someone who has all the independent names that I've mentioned in this list. There is no doubt that Toyota had a massive influence over them. 
you know, when when these women were training to be wrestlers, they will have become aware. Anyone who loves wrestling is always aware of the people who are brilliant. Like anyone who's training to be a wrestler now will be aware of Okada and Omega uh, and uh, and Will Ospreay and, and Zack Sabre Jr. And, and wrestlers like that. The people will be aware of how talented these guys are and they'll go and look them up. Even if, you know, you're a 14-year-old trying to find a, a Kazuchika Okada match for the first time. You know, there are people who are doing that. And it's the same in women's wrestling. Manami Toyota will have influenced nearly everybody over the course of the last 20, 30 years just based on how brilliant everything that she did was. Um, sad I never got to see her in person myself. But I think that she, her her legacy will certainly live on. And I think it's uh, it's nice that this year they seem to be building to quite a big sort of retirement ceremony for her. I think that's that's certainly the right thing to be doing for someone who, you know, will have been wrestling for nearly 40 years this year. So, you know, if you get a chance to go and check out some of the Manami Toyota stuff, I heartily recommend that you do because she is brilliant. Right. Anyway, I hope you like my top 10 list. I'd love to know yours. All right. Uh, your top 10 female wrestlers, your top 10 women, women wrestlers of all time. Um, just let me know yours. Write them on in your notes on your phone. Screenshot them. Tweet them to me at Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Please support everything on the Distraction Pieces Network. That makes me very happy when you do that. It's great if you started listening to the Distraction Pieces Network through this podcast and then you moved on to all the other ones. That's super cool and awesome. Um, also, don't forget, uh, you can go to jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. You can point new people at this website. You can view a list of all the stuff that's been on this podcast so far. Um, and you can buy the new T-shirts uh, in black and white while stocks last uh, via that link. And you can also get tickets to the live podcast a week on Saturday, Saturday, September the 9th at noon, King's Place in London. Um, you can get tickets to that all via jimsmormon.com slash TNJ. Obviously, check out progresswrestling.com, uh, demand-progress.com as well. Next week, I'll be back. We'll give you a few instructions and a few pointers on what to do ahead of the live podcast on the 9th. Um, just a few little games for you to get involved with and some other cool stuff as well. I know what I've got planned. I, I don't. I'm so jet-lagged. I don't know what's going on. Um, send me jet like yours um, buy the merch come to the live podcast uh, and just keep supporting wrestling because wrestling is the best right I'll speak to you next week thanks guys imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.